And the first reading is Psalm 73. Truly, God is good to the upright, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pain, their bodies are sound and sleek, they are not in trouble as others are, they are not plagued like other people. Therefore pride is their necklace, violence covers them like a garment, their eyes swell out with fatness, their hearts overflow with follies, they scoff and speak with malice, loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues range over all the earth. Therefore the people turn and praise them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Such are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and am punished every morning. If I had said, I will talk on in this way, I would have been untrue to the circle of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. On awaking, you despise their phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was stupid and ignorant. I was like a brute beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me with honor. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire other than you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Indeed, those who are far from you will perish. You put an end to those who are false to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge to tell of all your works. And the next reading is from Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents 
went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Uh, Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And as for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. pray. Father, we know that you want to speak to us through your word. We pray that right now as we sit here, that you would speak to us this morning, that you would open our hearts and minds to hear you, and that we would learn in our time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're carrying on with our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and we're thinking this morning about faithfulness. I wonder if we were to ask ourselves how we would score ourselves out of ten when it comes to faithfulness. As we've gone through the different parts of the fruit of the Spirit in recent weeks, I've kind of mentally been giving myself a bit of a check-up. How many would I give myself out of ten for faithfulness, I wondered this week. You see, 
Faithfulness is one of those things that it's not as easy to define as something like love or joy or peace. Faithfulness is one of those parts of the fruit of the Spirit that we can trip over as we're sort of reciting them in a long line without really thinking about what it means. So this morning we're going to focus on a few different questions. And the first one is simply, what is faithfulness? What do we understand by it? If we look at the word, it's quite clear. Faithfulness. It's being full of faith, literally. And as Christians, we know that our faith is in God, who we know as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's our faith in our Father's love that needs to bring us that sense of wholeness, of completeness. And it's our faith in Jesus and the cross that enables us to be forgiven and to know that we are saved. And it's faith in the Holy Spirit that enables us to get out of bed every morning and be a Christian and live according to Jesus' teaching. So the faith that we are to be full of involves all three of those aspects of the Trinity. It's something then that is to be alive in us, something that is going to make a difference in the way that we live. And I'm going to suggest to you that there's four principles, four key principles to this faithfulness, that it will involve loving God, that it will involve loving other people, that it will involve loving ourselves and taking good care of ourselves. And that it will in love involve loving God's world, this place that he's given us to live in. Each one of those makes up a part of being faithful, of faithfulness. In short, faithful living is about living life which will reflect all aspects of God into the, into the world. So that's the first question, what is faithfulness? The second question then is, how are we going to grow in faithfulness? I think it's helpful here to think about some of the Bible characters. If I were to say to you, go on, give me a name of somebody in the Bible that is full of faith, I wonder who you would come up with. There's lots. There's lots of them. So you might look at somebody like Abraham and say, yes, Abraham was faithful because he left his homeland and he followed when God called him. Or you might say, well, what about Moses? Moses went as a very timid man back to speak to Pharaoh to let the people free. Or you might want to think about somebody like Ruth or Hannah, women who made promises of commitment to God, which they then had to fulfill as their life unfolded. There are lots and lots of examples in the Bible of people who were faithful to God. Why? Why were they faithful and how did their faithfulness grow? Because if you look at their lives, by and large, Those characters in the Bible grew in faithfulness as their life progressed. They didn't always go forwards. People like David, who were full of faith, seemed to take one step forward and two step backs at some stages, just like we do. But generally, their faith increases. And I think it's simply because they believed more and more. As they got to know God more, their belief in him grew, and therefore their faithfulness to him grew as well. We can't be faithful unless we know who we're being faithful to. We can't be faithful unless we trust the person that we're believing in. I think most of us here are old enough to remember the film Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It is one of our favourites at home. There's that part in it where Indy has to cross this massive chasm to get across to where his father is on the other side. There appears to be no way forward. There appears to be just this huge cleft in the rock that he can't get across. And Indy says to himself, it's a leap of faith. 
And as he is trying to summon up the courage to step out into this darkness, he hears his father say to him, you must believe, son, you must believe. And so he does. And he lifts up his leg and he begins to tilt himself forward, thinking that he's going to fall. But at that very moment, the path before him becomes clear. There actually is a narrow rock bridge across to the other side. He just couldn't see it from where he was standing at the beginning until he trusted what his father was saying to him and stepped out in faith and believed. That's what faith is like, I think. That's what faith was like for many of the characters that we mentioned earlier. When they couldn't see the way ahead, when they didn't believe what God would do, when they didn't think they could do what God was asking them to do, then they still believed and they stepped out in faith and God was faithful to them in their faithfulness and therefore their faith increased growing in faithfulness means growing in obedience to the things that God is asking us to do bringing everything that we say and everything that we do before God and following what he says we should do in every part of our lives the third question that we're thinking about is what difference does faithfulness make? In those lives of the saints, the Bible characters that we've looked at, it's very clear what difference the faithfulness makes. They are life-changing for them. They left their homes. They led a great people. They risked their lives. Some of them got healed. Some of them gave up their lives in the end. But they made a difference. Their faith made a real difference. And over the centuries, it's been exactly the same. As people have lived lives of faithfulness, their lives have been changed and the lives of those around them have been changed. So I wonder this morning how your life has changed because of your faithfulness to God. You see, I could stand here and give you all sorts of examples of amazing Christian characters who had done life-changing things, because of their faith. I could tell you about Julian of Norwich or William Tyndale or William Wilberforce or Martin Luther King. I could talk about Corrie ten Boom. I could talk about Mother Teresa. You will have your own heroes of the faith. But God's interested in you and your faithfulness. What do you do out of faithfulness to God that makes a difference? Perhaps you go out of your way to care for other people. Perhaps you give up your time to serve in the community or in the church. Perhaps God's told you specifically at times to give things up or to take things up as you've tried to live your life of faithfulness. What you do might not be as famous or as all-consuming as those characters in the Bible or the Christian heroes that we have, but I hope that we can all find an example of how we've been faithful to God, how we have shown a love for God and his people, how we've shown care for ourselves and our world through the choices that we've made. But I hope too, as well as thinking of things that you've done, I hope too you're a little bit challenged about what more you could do, how you might grow in your faithfulness as your belief in God grows and increases. Because I think if all Christians lived lives that um, had every part of their life reflecting their faith in God, where every decision we made, where every choice we made about how we live If we all did that, then we would be showing our love for God and other people and our care for ourselves and our planet. We would be showing all those things to the world and the world would become a better place. We'd see changes, wouldn't we? We'd see a juster world. We'd see better sharing. 
We'd see healing, we'd see forgiveness, we'd see reconciliation. We'd see a much greater knowledge and love of God. What difference does faithfulness make? I think the answer is that it brings God's ways into our world. But the final question that is the one that has laid the most heavily on my heart this week as I have thought about faithfulness. And it's about what happens when faithfulness goes wrong. What happens when there is unfaithfulness? Or what happens when people simply lose their faith or go through a time when their faith falters? Unfaithfulness is when there is a betrayal of commitment to be God's people, when there's a betrayal of living the way that God wants us to. And it happens all the time. It happened in the times of the Bible. It has happened ever since. We get drawn away from living God's ways to living the ways of the world. There may be times and places in our lives where we are living very faithfully, but at the same time there may be other parts of our lives where we are not living faithfully to what God has said. The good news, of course, is that the cross enables us always to find a way back. It means that God can always give us another chance. It means that God's mercy is everlasting whenever we turn back to him. There is no last chance. Genuine repentance will always lead to another chance to show our faithfulness. The second aspect of faithfulness going wrong is when people lose their faith or when their faith falters. We will all know people who used to be faithful disciples, who used to come to church regularly, who used to be committed to worship, to God and his church, but who have since fallen away. Some of those people will have simply drifted or got out of the habit of being faithful. Others may tell us that they have lost their faith and that they don't believe anymore. Maybe something's happened to them that's caused them to doubt. Maybe they feel they've moved on or grown out of their faith. Sometimes their loss of faith is forever, and sometimes it's just for a period of time. Most often it will come on for that person very slowly, but you know it's hardly ever talked about in church. And the first thing that I want to say about it is that it has always happened. Even if you read the stories of Jesus, you see that there were people who fell away, people who no longer wanted to trust him and to follow him. And so we can know that when that happens still today, we leave that to God. We pray for those people, we stay in touch with those people, we continue reaching out to them, but ultimately we trust God for those people. The second thing to say about those periods of doubts and questions, times when faith falters, is that it's very normal. It's part of growing It can actually be very developmental to people as we grow in faith together. If you were to speak to mature Christians about doubt or loss of faith, many of them will tell you of periods in their lives when they've really had to wrestle to hold on to their faith, when it's felt as though they have lost it completely and yet they have been drawn back in time. There will have been times in the lives of most mature Christians when God has seemed to be completely absent from their lives and when life has been very dark for them indeed. They might call those dry patches or wilderness times. And when they happen, they're frightening because they take away something which has been at the very core of our being. They call into question who we are and what we really want from life. 
But as those mature Christians look back over those periods in their lives, they will tell you that they have been times of real spiritual growth, times which when we emerge from them, we know that we are changed, we are different, we are stronger. Our faith is new. It might need to be expressed in a slightly different way. Particularly, I think, as we move through the different seasons of our lives, we need faith that will grow with us. The faith I need in my midlife is different to the faith I needed when I was a teenager. It will be different again as I get older. But that growing period, that change, that transition can be difficult for us. So what do we do when we are struggling with our faith or if we know somebody else who's struggling with being faithful? Today's Bible readings really help. The Psalms really help. I chose Psalm 73 and I changed the reading to that because it's a psalm that's helped me immensely when I've struggled with my own faithfulness. I would encourage you to take it and read it again at home. It talks about being envious of people that have everything, of being envious of the people who have good health and riches and who seem to have no problems at all in life and yet are not being godly people. And the psalmist's faith is faltering because for him, even though he's done everything right and kept his heart clean, his life is hard. It's not fair. And the psalmist can't understand it. And he is angry with God. And he's only just holding on. He says, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. And then in verse 17, he goes into the sanctuary of God. And as he enters God's holy space, something happens to him. He's reminded of God's faithfulness to him. He's strengthened by the knowledge that God will hold him and promises to be with him forever. And somehow that becomes enough. When our faith falters, coming into the presence of God helps. Whether that's in a church or the top of a mountain whether that's on the beach, by the waves, whether that's through music, through art, through the beauty of creation. Wherever and however we've encountered God in the past, those are places we can go and expect to encounter him again. Those are places we can go and wait for him to come to us, to be the refuge and the strength that we need again. It might not happen immediately, but we mustn't give up going to those places where we can encounter God. But waiting in those holy spaces isn't the only thing that helps us when our faith falters. The reading that we should have had today before I changed it was from Hebrews 10. And in that reading, it talks about the importance of meeting with other Christians who can pray for us and who can encourage us, especially when our faith is weak. So we need to be able to provide safe spaces for one another. We need to be able to allow each other to be honest about how faith is going for us. We need to be able to strengthen and encourage one another. God works through his gathered people, the church. He works through us when we gather here for worship particularly. But he works through us as we meet with brothers and sisters together as well. So churches, whether we're meeting here, whether we're meeting in a building we call a church, we are the church, so churches shouldn't be places where we have to pretend we've got everything worked out. They shouldn't be places where we have to feel as though we put on a mask when we come through the door. Instead, they should be places where we can be honest and know that we're not judged, where when we have doubts or periods in our lives when things aren't going well for us, we can speak to other people about it and ask for help. They need to be places where when I'm not strong enough to put my spiritual armour on, I know that somebody else is covering my back. 
finally, when we struggle with faithfulness, we need to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined even when we aren't struggling in our faith, actually. But actually, discipline, hard work, is what will cause our faithfulness to grow. We grow in faithfulness as we believe more. We believe and trust in more. And that requires discipline. It requires a bit of effort putting in. The gospel reading was the parable of the talents. I love this parable. This parable is the reason that I got out of the pew in 2004 and realized that actually God was calling me to do something with the gifts that he'd given me, something that involved not sitting there and holding onto them for myself anymore, but sharing them with other people. (coughs) And this parable reminds us to take our belief, our gifts, our talents, our faith, whether it's big or whether it's small. This parable reminds us to take it and to use it, to put some effort into increasing it. And that means hard work. Some of you know that in an effort to try and look after my body, mind and spirit, I go to the gym. I'm not going to pretend to you that I enjoy it, but I go because it's good for me. When I'm on the treadmill, I listen to a podcast to try and help me keep going. It's something that will help me to pace myself and learn as I get stronger. And one of the things that this woman on the podcast says is don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going. Don't stop. Just keep going. You might be tired. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going to the end. Push on. This woman who is an expert says that fitness is built through the extra push that we give when we're absolutely tired. Now I'm never going to run a marathon but I want to apply that same principle of pushing on when we're really, really tired to our faith, to keeping going when we feel as though we can't give any more. Being faithful means putting a really hard effort into our own growth. It means taking responsibility for praying every day and making sure that we have a time and a space that we set aside. It means putting an effort into settling down to read our Bible each day It means committing to coming to church every week, even when there's something better on offer. It means keeping on exercising the gifts and talents that we have got in order to reveal our love for God and other people, and for ourselves and for the world that we live in, even when our faith is faltering. And when we do that, we grow. Our faithfulness will increase. So how will we rate ourselves out of 10 for faithfulness this week? I've shared an awful lot of different ideas with you. I hope that something has helped you to think about your own faithfulness. I hope that something has challenged you to take growing in faithfulness more seriously. Of how, yes, it's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that will grow in us, but we have to put the effort into being the place where it can grow. I hope that perhaps you have thought a little bit about how you can protect and increase your faithfulness and use it to help other people who may be faltering in their faith. So that together as a church, we can reveal God's love for other people. So that we can show that we care for ourselves and our world because we love our God and we believe in him and what he says to us. So let me just hold a moment of quiet while you think about the things that you want to take from this morning's talk. And then I'm going to pray. Faithful God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. 
Increase our faithfulness to you. Protect our faith in you and enable us to be disciplined as we exercise it and grow it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.